Well, last week we talked about giving God our best as he gave us his best in his son. And our Christian life should do just that. It should honor God, should glorify his son and give our best back to him. John chapter 15 paints a beautiful picture of the Christian life. Many of us are visual learners. And for us to see what the Christian life is like in a picture is very helpful. That is just what we have here before us today as Jesus draws for us a picture using very common imagery to his day. So if you have your Bible, feel free to open it up to John chapter 15. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 5 this morning. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, so it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. By this metaphor, Jesus represents himself to us as a vine and we are the branches. This was very appropriate metaphor to use because Israel was an agrarian society. And many of the men made their living working in a vineyard. When we traveled to Israel, we saw the rolling hillsides where the owners of the land would begin to build terraces up these hills for farming purposes. The weather was perfect for growing grapes. They would plant vines, and after enough time, there would be fruit, grapes, produced in the vineyard. They were all over the beautiful land of Israel. And in time, the vine became the national symbol of Israel. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, and the psalmist all refer to Israel as the vine or the vineyard of God. Above the door of the temple, there was a beautiful golden vine with great clusters of grapes hanging on it. And we know Jesus had just left the upper room in the previous chapter. So indeed, he might have been walking by the temple using that as a background for this statement. Everyone in Israel was familiar with a vineyard. So this passage helps me with the question I've asked myself many times throughout the years, and I'm sure you have too. How do I live the Christian life? It seems like no matter how much knowledge of the Bible we have or involvement with the church, there's still within each one of us this question of how do I put it all together? Bringing the head knowledge, the scripture, the doctrine, the theology we learn together in such a way that we let it flow from us and walk in a manner Worthy according to our calling. Can you relate to this? I certainly can relate to this question. Whether you're a new Christian or you've been walking with the Lord for many, many years, every one of us here today needs yet even a sharper focus on how do we put this into practice. So what does this mean? I am the true vine. Well, first of all, it shows us the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we read... I am the true vine. We know there are seven I am statements in John's gospel, and this is the last of those seven statements. Each one is a declaration of his deity. Jesus says, I am. I am. I am the true vine. And as you know, 
This is a repetition of what God said to Moses as Moses stood at the burning bush in Exodus 3.14. As the voice of God came out of the burning bush and God gave a name for himself, which was, I am who I am. It's a name so powerful that no mind here today can fully comprehend the depth of its meaning. God is entirely, completely self-sufficient, lacking nothing. You and I make no contribution to God's existence. You and I are entirely dependent on God, but he in no way is dependent on us. The name I am who I am means he is a God that who was and is and shall be forever. He is never changing, never increasing or decreasing. He's eternal, independent, the self-sustaining God. It's a, a breathtaking, a jaw-dropping, a knee-bending name for God. Moses, take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. I am who I am. Well, Jesus now takes this name for God and he attaches it to himself. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. In each of these statements, Jesus is declaring he's co-equal and co-eternal with God the Father. Jesus is not just a man, a mere carpenter from Nazareth. Jesus is fully God. This is the theme running through the entire Gospel of John from chapter 1, verse 1 to the very end. In fact, out of John's Gospel, here are five verses that affirm this. And the next time anyone questions the deity of Jesus, let these five verses would be good to have marked in your Bible or in your notes section of your phone. Let's look at a couple this morning. The first, John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, Jesus, was God. First verse of John. John 1.18. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him. Jesus is the only begotten God. And as we learned last week, that word used there for begotten means unique, soul, one of a kind. Jesus is the one of a kind. God. John 5, 18. For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because, he's, because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, but also was calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. The Jews understood exactly what Jesus was stating, and they wanted to kill him for stating his divinity. John 14, 9. Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? When you look at Jesus, you're seeing everything the Father is. And Thomas, after Jesus appeared to him, and he observed the nail-pierced hands, he believed, and he said in John 20, 28, My Lord and my, what? My God. Those five verses alone are indisputable evidence of the absolute deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. This truth is the cornerstone of our faith, and any religion that does not build on the absolute deity of Jesus is a false religion. 
Only one who is fully God can be to us all he claims to be for us. Only one who is fully God could die in our place and bear our sins and provide forgiveness. Only one who is fully God can reconcile us back to the Father. Only one who is fully God could claim to meet all of our needs as the vine. Jesus is fully God. And because Jesus is fully God, we owe him our highest allegiance and praise, our strongest loyalty. Because Jesus is God, we can trust in his provision. And because he's fully God, his words to us are not merely suggestions. John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. When Jesus says, I am the true vine, it should first remind all of us that he's fully God, the deity of Jesus Christ. If we remove that focus from our heart, things start to, start, start to come crumbling down. If we keep it right in the center of everything we do, if we attach ourselves to this true vine, Christ will build us up, he'll sustain us, because the vine is all sufficient. So let us think about the vine in relation to the question posed earlier. How do I live the Christian life? When you're doing well in your spiritual life, when you're firing on all cylinders, when you have passion in your soul to live the Christian life, when you're walking in obedience, when you're growing, when you're maturing, when you're serving, when you're bearing fruit, it's at those times that Jesus is at the absolute very center of your life. Everything and the Christian life revolves around Jesus Christ. It's when you've decided not only to learn information about Jesus, but you learn to follow Jesus with your actions. It's not a church. It's not an activity. It's not religion. It's not a ritual. It's not any of those things. The Christian life is Christ. It's to come to know Christ, and then Jesus is always at the center of the Christian life. So Christ makes this, this staggering claim. To all who will attach them, themselves to him. He says, I am the vine. This is the announcement of the absolute sufficiency of Christ in our lives. Anything and everything that we need in our spiritual lives, Jesus Christ is the source of that grace and blessing. Look at John 1.14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. He's so full of grace and truth. He's so full of saving grace. He can, he can save the, the chief of sinners. He's so full of grace that strengthens us and pulls us back when we get out of line. He has ample grace to enable us to do what we need to do. John 1.16, for of his fullness we have all received and grace. Upon grace. The sands of the seashore don't measure up to his fullness. And the vine provides grace upon grace, just these layers of grace upon grace, touching all areas of our lives. Think of the branch growing out of the vine. The only thing the branch has to do is stay attached to the vine. It will be the vine that supplies all the branch needs to produce the fruit. Even in the hottest conditions... It is the vine that supplies through the water drawn up out of the ground all the branch needs. Then comes harvest time. We, what must the branch do in order for there to be produce? And the answer is exactly the same. All the branch must do is remain attached to the vine 
And the vine is the sole source for all the branch needs. And that is what the Lord is for every one of us in our spiritual lives. All spiritual blessings come from this true vine, Jesus Christ. Grace comes from this vine. Joy comes from this vine. Love, peace, patience, kindness all come through this vine, which is our Lord, Jesus Christ. You don't have to attend 25 conferences. You don't have to jump through 18 hoops. You don't have to attain five doctoral degrees from a Christian university to receive these things. All you have to do is stay rightly attached to the vine, which is Christ. If you don't have Christ, let me rephrase that. If you have Christ, you have everything. If you don't have Christ, you don't have anything. It is all Christ. Let's look at a couple scriptures to support that. Psalm 23, 1. We all know this one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I mean, can that be true? I shall not want? Is it really possible not to want? I've spent seasons of my life wanting something so badly, thinking about it every day. About drove me crazy. I didn't eternalize or apply this psalm to my Christian life. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He is sufficient for me. And you. Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He is the true vine. Anything else that you and I would attach ourselves to and suck from it and draw from it to find happiness, to find pleasure or strength. Everything and anything else is a false vine. In a sense, it will never provide you with what Jesus can provide you. So what are some false vines that people are clinging to and trying to find peace and strength and encouragement? Well, some are attached to their bank account, especially when the economy goes through a downturn. Some people are attached to their jobs. They think, if I just had this job, I would be content. Or if I could move up to this, I would be totally happy in my career. I fell into this rut multiple times in my life when I was doing what I was doing in the corporate world became a false vine for me. It could be popularity. It could be fame. It could be a relationship. For some people, it could be alcohol or drugs. For some, it might be their marriage or family. Divorce is so rampant. I want my spouse to make me happy, and he or she isn't doing it. False vines. If Tina set set me up to be her source of happiness... I will eventually fail her as I'm not the true vine. Anything we attach ourselves to other than Christ for our spiritual development is a false vine. So, therefore, let's attach ourselves to Christ. He says, I am the true vine. What is your vine? What is the vine which you have attached yourself to for strength, encouragement, peace, sustenance, and support? I hope it is Jesus Christ. He is the one true vine. And we are just branches. That's what we are. We're branches. Let's not overcomplicate our life on earth and our daily obedience to Christ. We were created to be branches. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. You're sheep. Just be sheep. Follow me. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. I'm sufficient. I'll protect you. I'll meet your every need. 
I'll lead you to green pastures, and if you go astray, I'll come find you. I'm the true vine. Just be a branch. Just attach yourself to the vine. Just be a branch. That's all you have to do. The vine will provide all the nourishment the branch needs. Fruit will come as long as we're attached to the vine. I've basically been an anxious person my whole life. And I know many of us in this room live at times in state of anxiety. We don't need to be anxious. We need to be sheep. We need, just need to be a branch. Jesus is sufficient for any of our needs. We don't need to live in this constant state of stress and worry. Lie down and rest. The good shepherd will protect his flock. That's the picture of the Christian life that our Lord, I think, is painting. And as Jesus is our vine, the Father, in verse 1, in, in verse one we read, is our vine dresser. Now, God the Father is represented in our spiritual lives as a busy, active gardener, a faithful vine dresser. He's not only sitting on a throne in heaven, but he's active on earth, active in our lives. The vine dresser of a vineyard is continually walking up and down the rows of the vineyard. He's inspecting, he's observing the condition of the vine, of the branches. He's doing on-site inspection. That's what the Father is doing in our lives. Christ is at the very center, and it's God the Father constantly auditing and examining our hearts and our minds and our motives. He's all-knowing and sees all, and is very active in our spiritual lives. And in this analogy, I see the Father lifting us up as the vine dresser and pruning us. So looking at John chapter 15 in the past, I've always struggled with verse 2. Because we read, I'm the true vine, my father's the vine dresser, and every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. It's that taking away part that always, it's that trouble with trying to wrap my head around that. What's he talking about? What's he mean? Well, in translating this from the original language, the decision was made for that verb to translate it takes away. So the interpretation for many has become for, that, for those branches not bearing fruit. The father comes in and in an act of judgment takes them away, cuts them off. And we will see in verse 6 that some branches are thrown away in the fire to be burned. So that is a possible and very valid interpretation. But in researching this passage, there are some commentators who go with the secondary meaning of the verb. And this verb can also mean to lift, to lift up. This is exactly how it's used earlier in John eleven forty one, when Jesus came to the tomb of Lazarus and prayed. We read there, so they removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes and prayed. The same great Greek word here is used raised, not taken away. Jesus' eyes certainly weren't taken away into judgment and thrown into a fire. In fact, a form of this verb is used in Acts 1.9 at the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ when he was lifted up to glory. So look at John 15.2 again. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, possible translation, possible translation, he lifts up. Now, I'm no farmer, 
I grew up on the rough and tough streets of Jacksonville, Illinois. <laughs> but this makes sense to me, especially after seeing the vineyards in Israel. Some fruit must be up in the air to have exposure to the sunlight. They must be lifted up in order for the air to blow through and provide the conditions necessary for growth. And it just so happens that in a vineyard, the vines that grow and the branches off the vine don't grow on the ground. They are propped up with a stick or they hang on a line between two poles. So in this metaphor, using this train of thought, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up so we'll have greater exposure to conditions in order to encourage greater growth, greater development, greater fruit production. So how does God do that in our lives? Well, there are plenty of areas in my life, my spiritual life, and yours that we need God to be lifting us up so there's greater development. Well, I like this scripture verse, Philippians 2.13. How does he do this? Well, for it is God. Read that again. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It is God the Father working by the Holy Spirit in us who lifts up my heart to be receptive to the word and the grace that comes into my life through Jesus Christ. Those times when I'm down and discouraged or dirty, just laying there in the dirt of my sins. It is God, the Father, working in my life, spiritually lifting me up to be responsive, right? To take in the ministry of the word in my life. And while he's lifting us up, the vine dresser is pruning us back. He's pruning. And he's cutting the dead wood, cutting out the dead wood in our life that's hindering our spiritual growth. We saw that in the second half of verse 2 there. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so it might bear more fruit. And that word every, take your, your highlighter out or draw a big circle around that word every. Every branch. That's every Christian. In the big picture, if you're not bearing fruit, you don't know the true vine, and the Father is not at work in you. I don't mean to sound harsh at all there with that statement, but isn't that what Jesus himself said? You will know them by their fruit. So in my mind, what we have here in this verse, too, is a snapshot of the individual season in the life of a believer. Every branch... Every Christian, every branch he prunes so there will be more fruit. There are seasons within, while gardening, while I aggressively cut back my rose bushes, aggressively cut them back so they'll survive the winter. Likewise, there are times when the vine dresser will be aggressively wielding the pruning knife in our lives. And those cuts can be painful they can be deep, not because he wants to inflict pain upon us, but that there'll be more growth. How does, how does that, how does he do that? He does that through the word of God itself. In Hebrews 4.12, we read this. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. See, I think when we sit under the ministry of the word of God, 
It makes deep cuts in our heart and soul. God's pruning us. Paul says, preach the word, reprove and rebuke, as well as exhort with great patience. The word works both ways. It comforts us when we read it, and it convicts us. God uses the word as a pruning knife in our life. Now, also, he can use discipline, as any good father would, does with his child. If the word doesn't do it on Sunday mornings, or if the word doesn't do it on Wednesday night Bible studies, or if the word doesn't do it whenever other time you're studying the word, God loves us so much, he will administer the pruning knife of discipline in our life. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt the Lord's discipline? That's the vine dresser. Cutting out things in our life and producing humility, holiness, and purity. So the pruning God does in our lives is meant to produce more fruit. As a branch, remember, that's what we are. We're a branch. As a branch, that's what we're created to do. The very purpose of a branch out there, we know, is to bear fruit. If a branch doesn't bear fruit, it ceases to fulfill its purpose for which it was created. So it is with our lives. We're placed in Christ so the Father would be glorified by us bearing fruit. He says this in verse 8 of John 15. My Father is glorified by this. Now just stop. Whatever this is, is what I want. And you should want it too. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. So prove to be my disciples. More fruit equals more glory to the vine dresser. Fruit doesn't draw attention to the branch. It draws attention to the vine dresser. When people go walking into a garden, they know somebody's responsible for it. They know somebody has cultivated it. So you walk into a garden, it's all beautiful, and there's lots of fruit. You don't give credit to the root. What do you do? You give credit to the person who's tended the garden, who's weeded it, who's lifted it up, who's watered it, who's fertilized it, and who's overseeing the entire process. You give credit to the vine dresser. That is why we want fruit produced. Not to show off like you're a super Christian, but it, but it shows off the glory of God. Barren Christians dishonor God. Christians who are vitally connected to Christ where there's much fruit brings honor and, as we just read, glorifies God. So finally, as we grow in our spiritual lives, that is fruit. The one word used most in this entire section is the word fruit. Follow down through the page if you happen to have your Bible or do it later. But fruit is used three times in verse 2. In verse 2, we go from no fruit to fruit to much fruit. That's called growth. In verse 4, there's fruit. In verse 5, there's much fruit. In verse 8, there's much fruit. And in verse 16, there's fruit that remains. Seven times fruit is mentioned in 16 verses. So there would seem to me to be this continual development in our life where God is actively bringing about more fruit. And that is what God wants in our lives, more fruit. So what is it? What is this fruit? Well, there are the inward fruits outlined in Galatians chapter 5, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, self-control. 
the fruits of the Spirit. These are Christ-like qualities. And they should be evident in, in you, right? They should be evident in your homes, at work, in school, and most of all, in our church. None of us can produce true joy in our hearts by just snapping our fingers. Joy is produced in us by the Lord as we abide in Christ and his word abides in us. The vine is the source. We simply bear fruit. Then there's the outward fruit, the giving of our lives and service to others. This is what the true vine did for us many years ago. He came to serve, Philippians 2, 5 through 7. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men. The outward fruit of service to others glorifies the vine dresser. If I ask each one of you in this room the question this morning, do you want to glorify God? Every one of you would say, yes, I do. Every one of you would. There wouldn't be a single no answer. God is glorified in our fruit. In our self-absorbed culture where everything is about me, 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 strive to be more like Jesus, become a servant of others. There's so much you can do in this body alone, and then, of course, in the world outside, where the love of Christ needs to be witnessed for sure. This is the Christian life. As Jesus is the one true vine, and we're simply the branches bearing fruit. In the first three verses, Christ is just laying out this truth for us. There isn't an action point we need to take until verse 4. Which is where we're going to start next week. Abide in me, and I in you. But before we can abide in the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to get this picture in our minds that he is the one true vine and that everything else is a false vine in our lives. We get this picture that he's sufficient for every spiritual need we have. He's sufficient to direct us, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to mature us, to comfort us, to convict us, to protect us, to preserve us, and one day to glorify us. It's all the work of the one true vine in our lives. So as we close, are you attached to him? Are you in Christ? Do you know Jesus Christ as your vine? Are you abiding in Christ, resting in him, remaining in him, relying on him? Are you dependent on Christ for the fruit to be produced to glorify God? He's the all-sufficient source for every need in our spiritual life. So I just want to encourage you all this morning to draw closer to Christ, the one true vine. Just spend time with him. Sit at his feet. Hear his word. Receive his grace. Love him. Adore him. And give him the glory in all things. Put Christ at the very center of your life and the one who has told us, I am the true vine. I hope we can all come to a deeper realization this morning that of our great need for Christ in every moment of every day. So this week, let this be a picture in our mind that we refer to often as we go out there and live the Christian life. Let's stand and sing this morning.